Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spurscast, episode 523. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurscast. Joining me for this episode will be Project Spurs' Steven Anderson. In our discussion, Steven and I will recap the last seven games for the Spurs, because I know I've been off the Spurscast for, for quite some time over the holidays. Uh, then we will discuss why the Spurs are playing so well in their last 13 games ever since December 7th. And then finally, we'll preview uh, the upcoming Spurs three games, which are uh, against the Toronto Raptors, which is obviously Kawhi Leonard's uh, big return to San Antonio, the Memphis Grizzlies, and then also the Detroit Pistons. So please enjoy my conversation with Product Spurs' Steven Anderson. And now joining me from San Antonio, Texas, is Project Spurs' own Steven Anderson. Steven, how are you doing, man? How are the holidays for you? Hey, Paul. Happy New Year to you and to everybody listening. Holidays are pretty good. Got some good food, got some good Christmas gifts, and now uh, getting ready for more second half of Spurs basketball. How about you? I'm doing well myself. Had a great um, holiday stretch. You know, went out of town for a few days, just got back and trying to get back into the grind of covering the team as, as we know that there's a, a, quite a number of games left. Okay, Stephen, uh, let's go ahead and begin. Now, I know SpursCast listeners, it's been quite a while since I, since uh, you've heard my voice and, and, and the SpursCast guests that I have. It's because we, took, we did take a, a big break over the holidays and we covered um, seven games before the, we, we took that break back on December 18th, myself and Michael DeLeon. So, Steve, what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to give a quick little recap of the past seven games, how the Spurs have done 
And then we'll, we'll go a little bit more in depth in their most recent game, which is that win over Boston uh, recently. So let's go ahead and begin. Um, when I first went out before break, uh, the Spurs were going to go play at Orlando. They ended up winning that game by 39 points. Then they hosted the Minnesota Timberwolves. They beat the Wolves by 26. They traveled to Houston on a Saturday night, and they lost by seven. But what was interesting there was that they were down by 17, and in the fourth quarter, they came back to hold a slim one-point lead, but they ended up losing. Uh, then they hosted the Denver Nuggets. They won that game by eight points. Then they traveled to Denver. Uh, they lost that game barely by three points. Now, another interesting case there is that they were down by 18, and they, they came within one point of Denver in the fourth quarter with 28 seconds left. They couldn't pull out the comeback. But again, they're getting closer on the road of, of winning these games. Then on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, the Spurs traveled to Los Angeles against the Clippers. And they actually were uh, – they came back to beat the Clippers in that one uh, by 11. And it was their first back-to-back -back win of the season on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. So the Spurs had been 0-6 before that game. And then after beating the Clippers, they're now 1-6 in back-to-backs on the second night. And then the most recent game, Stephen, that let's talk about a little bit more in detail is that Boston game. The uh, Spurs won 120 to, to, to 111. Um, with 449 left in the second quarter, the Spurs found themselves down by 11 points. Now, that's interesting because uh, heading into that game, the Spurs were 2-14 and 14 when they, I mean, 2-15 and 15 when they when they fell behind by, by 10 points or more in a game. The only two teams that they've, the only team they've come back against was the Lakers. So they end up coming back and winning that game against Boston. Um, they outscored Boston 46-30 uh, to 30 in the third quarter. Uh, and, again, Boston has the fourth-best defense coming in, and the Spurs put 46 on them in one quarter. And then they kept that lead in the fourth to where it never got too, too close, where the Spurs um, outscored – I mean, they uh, they Boston only got within seven of that of the Spurs in that fourth quarter. So I know it's a lot of information, Stephen. Um, they went 5-2 and two basically in these last seven games. What has impressed you most about the Spurs, or just what are your general thoughts on how they've been playing? Well, the team has definitely turned a corner, um, Paul. You know, they've, as you said, you noted they've done very, very well um, on both ends of the court. They've, got, uh, but they've done well at home, obviously. One thing I was curious about is to see how they do on the road. And as you mentioned, uh, they beat the Clippers on the road, who uh, are, are a surprise this season. Then uh, they beat them pretty well. And then you, uh, they come home and they beat Boston in, in San Antonio. And the Spurs look pretty good on both ends right now. One thing I will say, what's impressed me the most, though, is, you know, that we see the team coming together. And uh, we, I preferably Derek White uh, in the past, I believe it is three games, he's performed very well, um, exceeding expectations. He had his career high in that game against Boston, uh, I should also mention. Uh, he's played very well. And uh, I believe it was LaMarcus Allridge after the game who says, you know, we're going to need him to be who he is to get where we want to go, uh, whether that's this season or in the future or whatever. And, I mean, he's one person that has really stuck to me. But as a whole, the team's defense has gotten a lot better. Uh, you held Kyrie Irving, who – I mean, we all know what, we all know what Kyrie Irving can do. <laughs> uh, we held him to uh, 16 points. The Spurs also, uh, as you said, they put 46 points up on Boston. Um, I believe uh, their PR person, the Spurs PR person, mentioned, I believe that's the highest point total in a quarter since like the early 90s, I believe. Yeah, 1993 specifically. Yeah, so I mean, that's one thing you notice is that this team is really starting to come together. And I mean, overall, they've improved miles from what they were in October and early November. Um, there's still a long way to go, but 
and one thing I noticed also in you in in that uh, Houston loss when they lost on the road, they were down, but they came back to take the lead. The old Spurs, and I use that quote very loosely from October November, were just lay down and fold it and not even try. But this team is trying, and to me, even though they lost that game, that's a win in my book because you come back and you almost. You know, you, you almost beat uh, Houston, and Houston's starting to play well as of late, too. But overall, they've improved. They can get better, but I like the direction the Spurs are going in. Yeah, I mean, you hit a, a lot of key topics there, and, um, you know, uh, one part of it, too, we're going to talk about Derek White in a second and, and LaMarcus Aldridge, two of the guys that are playing really well during the stretch. But I, w- I want to go back to when this all started, and that looks like that date was December 7th, which is which is when those last 13 games first began. It was that game at home game of that six game homestand against the, the Lakers. Now, uh, so here are some of the stats of the Spurs since that date, since December 7th. They're 10 and three, playing like a 70 win team. Double digit leads. They've, they've led by over 10 points in 11 of their last 13 games. Now they've led by 20 points in eight of their last 13 games. I mean, they're just, if if it's not a really good team, they're just clobbering the, the, the bad teams or even like, like mid middle level teams. I mean, they're just beating teams pretty um, decisively. One thing you noted that that I've been impressed with, and which is why my my expectation, my bar for the Spurs has risen, is the fact that they're actually starting to compete and win on the road. Like we mentioned, they they have their biggest win of the season, 39 points on the road in Orlando. They beat the Clippers, leading by 24 at one time on the road on the second out of back-to-back. And then, like you just mentioned, against Houston and against Denver, they could have folded and just called it a night and lost by like 30. But these are this is a new Spurs team that their defense allows them to get back into ball games, and now they're they're competing down the stretch to the point that they could have been seven and zero in these last um, seven games. So, um, you know, obviously their offense is even better right now. They're overall they're fourth ranked offensively, but they but they they moved up to first in these last thirteen games. Uh, you know, just shooting lights out all over the place, uh, not turning the ball over. They they don't get a lot of re- offensive rebounds because they don't play a, a, an old traditional two man two big lineup anymore. And then they're getting to the free throw line um, just a little bit more during this stretch. Um, so so specifically on offense for now, what has impressed you the most uh, from from your takeaway from that offensive burst from them? Offensively, I mean the, the team looks more cohesive. They the we all mentioned the beautiful game from 2014. In spurts, we've seen it. You know, Marco Bellinelli passes. Uh, we all know how he can pass the ball. Patty Mills, the only two players remaining from that team, um, ironically, are the ones who started that ball movement. Again, the ball movement's doing very well, uh, particularly with that second unit with Patty and Marco coming in uh, into the game. And you, then you got guys like Jakob Pertl, who has completely just had a one of the best, better weeks I've seen uh, since he's been in San Antonio. And obviously with Pablo being out until recently, um, he's had to carry the burden of that load, and he has re- responded. Um, I know Pop uh, recently re- uh, reactivated um, Pau, and he hasn't had many, many minutes. And I think the reason for that is Jakob is not only is he younger, but he's playing very well right now. And we all know Pop doesn't like to disturb you know, the cohesiveness of a team. And I think it's just a matter of when is Pau going to find those minutes. But right now, I like the fact the second unit led by Patty, Marco, uh, you have Jakob Pertl playing well, Rudy Gay, even though he missed the game against Boston, and he's projected to miss the game on Thursday against Toronto. Um, he's played very well, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. So they've all played well, but for me, was it on the offensive end, that second unit has really, really impressed me in these, this past month. 
Yeah, and I mean they've honestly like turned turned games around to where the point where like they come in and they just right away they, they go the Spurs will go from like a seven point lead up to like fifteen quickly because like Marco will start burying like two or three threes in a row. Uh, Davis Bertans will hit a few threes. Patty Mills, and so that second unit in specific games has been a huge reason why the, those those leads have really jumped out. Um, some some specific players that I that I mentioned um, that I wanted that I noted should I say is a guy like Lamarcus Aldridge. He's gone from 19.8 points of the season all the way up to 22.8 during these last 13 games, um, shooting 58% from the floor during those last 13, uh, 70% at the rim now, which is in the 75th percentile among big men. So he's really dominating at the rim, which was an area where he had a very low accuracy percentage. Now, something that Aldridge noted the other night after the, the Celtics win, um, when, when asked about you know what has happened to him offensively that's helped him out so much in December, he says that Pop has changed around the spacing around him to where they're putting the shooters in different specific spots so that, that it's making it harder for teams to uh, double-team him. And so he's getting a lot more one-on-one matchups. And when he has his way against certain defenders, like how he did the other night against Daniel Tice, I mean, he just torched them to where he just scored in the, in the low post almost every single time right at the rim. Uh, you, a guy you mentioned, Stephen Marco Bellinelli. He's he's uh, scoring 1.2 points more during this this 13 game, uh, these last 13 games. Uh, 45% from three during this stretch. Davis Bertans uh, scoring 1.8 points per per game more during the stretch, uh, shooting 57% from three. And then a guy you just mentioned, Stephen, which is Derek White, uh, plus 1.1 points per game, uh, shooting 40% from the floor during these last 13. And like you mentioned, you know, how do you give – it's hard to get Powell minutes right now because Yako's playing so well, because Aldridge is playing so well. Now, because we don't know how long Rudy Gay's going to be out with that left sprain wrist, uh, there might be some minutes for Powell to get there. But I, but I agree with you, Stephen. I don't think you should rush putting Powell in just because he's 100% healthy, uh, you know, in, in terms of trying to, to, to um, mess up the chemistry on the team. Now let's go to go into the defense. This has obviously been the huge, the, the biggest uh, jump for the Spurs uh, since that date again on December seventh. Um, defensively, they, they, uh, they're 22nd overall, allowing teams to score at 111.4 points for 100. In these last 13 games, though, they're ranked sixth defensively. Uh, you know, here's what the Spurs are doing um, schematically: they're making teams shoot way less at the rim, so so teams are taking 5.8 percent less shots at the rim. And accuracy-wise, they're only they're shooting 4.8% worse at the rim against the Spurs' defense. They're making teams take 5% more mid-range jumpers, and teams are shooting 1.9% worse uh, during this stretch. The three-point shot is kind of the same. I would just argue that the, that the accuracy for the opponents has dropped by 1.9%. Um, you know, and again. Uh, it looks like the Spurs are are making more so of an emphasis on switching, uh, you know, out on the perimeter so that guys can't, you know, can't burst through the lane and really um, put the the, the rim uh, protection in, in, as a liability. So, what have you noticed defensively that's working out well for them? Defensively, I mean, that's as you said, that is where this team has really improved, and th- and that defense has sparked the offensive outburst we just mentioned. Uh, even Pop mentioned after the after the game uh, on Wednesday against Boston, but. Um, you know, defensively, you, you're right. They're switching more. They're not allowing so many shots in the paint. They're contesting a lot more shots uh, from the perimeter. But, I mean, th- this is one of the reasons why, Paul, um, uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming games later. But, I mean, I know uh, the Spurs play at Toronto. Uh, we're, co- we're recording this on a Wednesday. They play Toronto Thursday tomorrow. And everyone's picking, you know, Toronto's going to beat the Spurs, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, this defense is the reason why I think the Spurs have a legit shot to beat Toronto because of how good their defense has been. But we'll talk about that part later. But specifically, defensively, I really enjoy seeing this team just really kind of buckle down. It reminded me of the old days 
2003 Spurs where they would literally have a man on every single player. You, you Rarely now in this last month, you don't see many guys being left open for jump shots or even at the rim. Uh, they're contesting more shots. Um, yeah, that may, that may result in some fouls being called more often uh, than you would like. But, I mean, that's what that's a, a risk you have to take. And specifically what I mean is Derek White, uh, I, I, I keep mentioning him, but Derek White's defense against James Harden in Houston, I mean, it, it James Harden played well, but he uh, White made it work for it. You know, I mean, James Harden took, I believe it was like 28 shots or 28 points or something along those lines in that game. And Derek White, for being a second-year player, he got the memo from Pop, you know what, you need to play some defense, and he went out there and did it. Um, one thing I have noticed, though, is Dante Cunningham's minutes have gone down a little bit, and that makes me wonder, okay, well, other players are playing better on both ends of the floor than maybe Dante, because Dante, I remember Pop said, was in there for defensive purposes at one point. So that has been a little, not really concerning, but kind of like making me scratch my head a little bit on that part. But, I mean, overall, their defense has improved, and it can get better because uh, we saw some games um, in that 13-game stretch where, you know, it specifically, I believe, was the Denver game where four straight shots were in the rim, near the rim or in the paint for Denver. So the, the defense can improve, but it has gotten better. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I think that, that's, a, that's a good point you brought up about Dante Cunningham's minutes. He's basically fallen out of the rotation. Pops stuck to this, this lineup of, of DeRozan, Aldridge, Rudy Gay, Forbes, Bellinelli, Mills, uh, Bertans, White, and Pirtle. So nine-man lineup. And again, he doesn't want to put too many more guys in there, like like you're seeing with, with Dante and also like Powell, where they can't find minutes because you want to disrupt that chemistry. So I think that it's working out well. And, and like you mentioned, during this last 13 games, I mean, they, they were the only team this season to hold an uh, hold opponents to less than 100 points in five straight games. I remember um, their Spurs PR guy noted that. And, and they went up to seven games in a row where they didn't give up over 100 before that, that was squashed. Um, they're holding, they're finding more and more quarters where they're holding the opponent below 25 points. And they're even finding quarters where they're holding the opponent below 20 points in sp some specific quarters. Um, before that Houston game, they had gone, uh, I believe it was six or seven games without giving up a 40-point quarter defensively. And so um, aside from that Houston game, they really haven't been doing that. And that was something that they were doing a lot when they were getting blown out you know, giving up 130, 120 points nightly uh, when they were playing horrible defense. So you, you can d definitely tell in both locations, on the road and at home, that the defense has definitely turned the corner. Like I mentioned, schematically, uh, they, they've turned their, their system around in terms of making teams take a lot of mid-range shots, teams that want to do that, and then uh, taking away the rim looks. And then the, the three-pointers, like you mentioned, Stephen, um, contesting them, not putting people on the free-throw line opponents. And then Derek White, again, gets that credit on the perimeter why look at what the numbers say uh when he's on the floor the spurs are allowing teams to score 4.4 points per 100 less whenever Derek white is out there on the floor which puts him in the 82nd percentile so again he's a really good defender the numbers are, are showing that uh he was one of the, the the few spurs who was able to get six steals in a game already that was something that guys like danny green and kyle anderson never even achieved while they were in san antonio so he, he's up there with throwing up some stats like 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 david robinson like uh like mono ginobili like Tony Parker, like uh, Kawhi Leonard, some of those defensive type stats. So, so Derek White's been a huge um, uh, uh, help for them defensively, and the numbers are showing that again across the board. All right, Stephen, let's go ahead and go into uh, the last portion of our Spurs cast, which is previewing the upcoming games. Now, now that I'm back in the rotation, uh, I, we're only going to pre preview three games because I'll be able to record again by next Tuesday. So, the first game is obviously the big one. Uh, the Spurs for the first time this season. I am very surprised. They are going to see Kawhi Leonard 
and the Toronto Raptors. Now, why do I say I'm surprised? Because for months, I mean, we're talking months, when I go to dinner at the Spurs games with a few of the other media members, we were always like, had a percentage of, of percentage chance that we thought Kawhi would actually play in this game and even make the trip to San Antonio. We always thought it was like 10, 15% that he'd actually come and play in this game just because we know the kind of responses the fans are going to have, the atmosphere it's going to be. Um, there's actually nothing uh, that, that I can remember that's, that's going to be parallel to this uh, type of atmosphere that we're expecting on Thursday. Well, it turns out that Kawhi is coming to San Antonio, and, and he's not on the injury list. Uh, he's going to play. It looks like all signs indicate that. So let's go ahead and get into this first game. Well, actually, Steve, before this, let's go ahead and talk about just the atmosphere. What kind of atmosphere <laughs> do you think he's going to enter on Thursday in San Antonio? I mean, I can't think of a situation, you know, obviously back when the Spurs, you know, when they were winning titles, they had rivalries with the Lakers, with the um, with the Mavericks for a long time. But again, those were the opposing teams and those are your rivals. This is somebody who was with you and now he wanted out of San Antonio. What do you think that atmosphere is going to be like? They're going to give him a standing ovation. I'm just kidding. You know, it's <laughs> going to be it's going to be hell. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to be there tomorrow night. I'm. I'm not gonna say what I'm gonna do, but we're gonna be there. It's gonna be fun. To, it's gonna be a good atmosphere to be a part of. But I will say this: um, I pop, and I believe Patty Mills said at practice today. You know, um, treating with respect and be classy and all that. And I do agree with Pop and, and Patty in that sense, where you know you should you should, really shouldn't boo the guy. But you and I talked about this privately. We've talked about this publicly on Twitter, where over the summer when all this stuff was going on, you and I were like, let's just trade him, get it over with, so we can go on with our lives. Because it was Kawhi Watch every day for, what, two months almost? Three months? You know, like, almost like since January, basically, when those first initial reports that uh, Jalen Rose first said on TV. Yeah. When he said he wanted out. It, it was oh, like five or six. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you and I were right in the thick of it. We, all of us at Project Spurs were right there. I mean, you got the stuff. All of us have got some stuff regarding Kawhi. But the atmosphere is going to be – I even put up a Twitter poll about this. I was like, is it going to be LeBron going back to Cleveland when he left? Or is it going to be when Durant went back to OKC? Or is it going to be something completely different? I think it's going to be a mixture of all three, honestly, because I do believe the fans are angry. They have a right to be angry. They, they can they have a right to boom if they choose to. Um, you know, the thing is, is that this team went through hell with this whole Kawhi situation. And he put not only the team, but the city in a whole standstill because no one knew what he was thinking. No one knew what was going on. There was a lot of conflicting reports. And all that happened, and right now to this day, nobody knows why Kawhi really left or why he wanted out, but they're angry. And tomorrow, I believe, they're going to show their anger. They're going to, they are going to boo him every time he touches the ball. Um, I, apparently, I believe Jeff McDonald even tweeted, you know, the Spurs have a tribute video planned for both Danny and Kawhi, but they don't know if they're going to be shown. Um, if I think they're going to wait and see how the reception is going to be. If Kawhi's getting booed every single time, and chants and all this other stuff, I don't even think they're going to show it. But it's going to be one heck of an atmosphere. It's going to be loud. Um, we, I'm, You know we're going to see DeRozan and Kawhi on each other. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I hope it's not a blowout for either side. I hope it's a thrilling nail-biter to the end. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the parts you hit on there was it's the fact about closure, both for the fans and even like media like ourselves – out of all the information, all the rumors that came about last year during this saga, we just never 
like to the end of the day, like like you just said, why did he want out? It's almost like that. We still don't have that specific reason. Oh, was it Tony Parker's comments? Was it his uncle? Was it that the Spurs misdiagnosed his injury and, and he just never wanted to be part of San Antonio's organization again, even though they've had an excellent track record in the past with Tim Duncan, Manu, and, and Tony over the years? So it's just like there's that part of like there's no closure, and he never really helped close that, that, that you know, to, to say the end of his side of what's going on, you know, he basically said at training camp this year with Toronto that, you know, that's an old, it, it's old now he's in Toronto, blah, 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 that's his team. So I think that's a part of why the fans are so angry. It's like, they want to know what, why did you leave? You know, what was, what was not good enough in San Antonio for you um, that, that you couldn't figure it out, you know, and, and become a cornerstone player like the Spurs wanted you to be like pop wanted you to be. So I think that that's where a lot of that animosity that, that and that frustration comes from, and I think they're going to let it they're going to let it out tomorrow. And I saw your Twitter poll earlier today, and I actually voted on, on option C, which was like the craziest the craziest we've seen. Because again, for for San Antonio, I cannot think of a situation where they've had their own guy, one of their own players, who wanted to just get up and leave and, and, and walked out. That that's just a situation I've never seen. You know, obviously we know it with Durant did he he signed elsewhere. Um, and then uh, who was the other guy? Oh, LeBron to Cleveland. Yeah, th- those are a little bit different because they were free agency. This is a guy who was on a contract and wanted out, you know, in the middle of his contract. Um, so it's going to be crazy, in my opinion. I, I think you're right. It's just going to be really loud. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do those tribute videos because I, I go back to when they traded him on, the, on in July. When, when the Spurs first released that press release, it only had like very minimal information about Kawhi. It basically said Kawhi played this many games and scored this many points, and that was it. They didn't they didn't talk about his his Defensive Player of the Year nominees. I mean, um, wins, n- none of his uh, his All Star nods, none of his uh, his championship stuff. It was just a very very light press message uh, because you know he wanted out. So I don't know how the organization feels now that it's been a few months. Uh, okay, Steven, so now let's actually get into the game. Uh, so early on, the Spurs are actually favored by one and a half points, according to Las Vegas. So the Spurs are the one and a half point favorite. Uh, Kyle Lowry is listed as to be determined, um, but I think lower back pain is, is the injury diagnosis. And then Jonas Valanciunas is out with a dislocated thumb. Now, Rudy Gay is also questionable with a left sprained wrist, like what you and I mentioned. So let's get into uh, the, the, the prediction for this game. Uh, the Spurs at home, they have a 15-5 and five record. They are playing like a 57-win team at home. They have the 8th-ranked defense and 15th-ranked – I mean, 8th-ranked offense and 15th-ranked defense at home. The Raptors are 13-7 and seven on the road, playing like a 52.7-win team. They are 8th offensively on the road and 4th defensively. Kawhi is coming in off a, a fresh 45-point night, a career high for him against the Utah Jazz. So who do you have in this game between the Spurs and Raptors? Well, let's hope Kawhi used up all his points against Utah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's going to be one heck of a game, Paul. And like I said earlier, uh, when we were going through the games, the Spurs defense is the reason why I give them a legit chance at winning this game because – you know, the, the Spurs played defensively really, really well. Now, this was October. This was like the fourth game of the season. The Spurs would easily be blown away. But right now, the way the Spurs are playing and considering the atmosphere that's going on, you know the 18th series is going to be rocking. They're going to be every single basket that's going to be scored tomorrow, whether it's a free throw, a three-pointer, or a jump shot, is going to be cheered loud. And, and there's a chance that they could set a new record in that place for how loud it's going to be. I think because of all those factors and considering DeMar DeRozan is going to be amped up himself, let's forget Kawhi for a second. Remember, DeMar is playing against his old team as well, and we all know the bad blood that he had when he got traded in the situation with going on with him when he didn't get told what was going on either. So he's going to want to go off and go off against his old team just as much as Kawhi is. And 
because the Spurs are at home and because the Spurs have this this kind of like, you know, we have to go out there, we have to give this performance, we have to play well to win the game. Also, I have to give the edge to the Spurs. I do agree with Vegas. It's going to be a very close game. I say maybe a three-point, two or three-point win for the Spurs. Okay, so you're giving the Spurs the, the nod. Okay. I also went with San Antonio. Um, again, uh, again, I, I just feel like this Spurs team at home specifically is playing on another level uh, where if you're not close, you're the opponent and you fall behind early, they can blow you out. Or if they fall behind, like we saw against Boston, uh, where they fell behind by 11, 12 points, and then they came back and won that game. That I, I really think that that at home, the Spurs are playing at another level. And again, I don't I don't know if Lowry's going to play or not. So I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to the Spurs. And specifically on DeMar, something you, you just mentioned, uh, before you and I recorded this, DeJounte Murray, who is hurt right now, went on Twitter and he said, Hey, Twitter, I hope my bro at DeMar DeRozan drops 50 tomorrow with the W. <laughs> so you can tell the Spurs players are amped up for this game. Specifically, they want DeMar to do well tomorrow. And DeJounte basically wants him to go for 50 points. So um, it's going to be a, an interesting game. Um, again, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Spurs just like you, Steven, in that game. Now, Stephen, on Saturday, the Spurs host the Memphis Grizzlies for the second time this season. Uh, the Grizzlies are 8-11 and 11 on the road. They are playing like a 32.6 win team on the road. They're 27th offensively and 7th defensively on the road. Now, the, the Spurs honestly might be 1-0 against Memphis had the referees not, not had used a bad call on, on that last play against Aldridge uh, way back when they played in, uh, I believe it was November. So who do you have in this one between the Spurs and Grizzlies? Uh, I got the Spurs, and the and the reason is, as you said, they've already proven they can beat this Memphis team, if not for that, you know, mistake or whatever it is you want to call it against the, uh, uh, in that game in November. But I mean, the Spurs are playing well at home. Memphis is struggling to even put some wins together as of late. Um, I know they they were the uh, the had the top record in the West at one point. They've dropped all the way down, I believe, to it's like twelfth or eleventh or twelfth right now. So. Yeah. They're not playing as hot right now. The Spurs are going – both teams are going in two different directions. Let's just put it that way. So I give the edge to the Spurs for that reason. And plus coming off a, a win, uh, hopefully a win, uh, in the emotional game against Toronto, I see the Spurs riding that wave and getting a win against Memphis. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm picking the Spurs in this one again. I feel like San Antonio should have won that last one. And that's when the Spurs were playing, weren't playing at their best. They were playing they were playing terrible basketball back in November. And now they're actually playing way better basketball. The Grizzlies are going the opposite direction, like you just mentioned. They are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're falling apart right now. Uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and give the nod to the Spurs in that one. Then, Steven, on Monday, the Spurs travel to Detroit to play the Pistons for the first time this season. The Pistons at home are pretty good. They're 11-8, and eight, playing like a 43-win team. They are 22nd offensively and 12th defensively at home. Who do you have in this one between the Spurs and Grizzlies? No, it's Pistons. Pistons, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got the Spurs again, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Paul, but I think the Spurs have had trouble in Detroit over the past few years. Um, you know, I, I think they, they, they've had some trouble winning in Detroit uh, for a little bit, um, but I do give the, this edge to the Spurs because, I mean, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game, particularly that one, because we always see these what I call these these trap games where you know you you don't expect a loss to happen and they do. I'm hoping this is not one of those situations, but I I see the Spurs pulling this one out. Yeah, and and you're right, they have they have had a, a, a not not a good track record at being on the road in Memphis lately, and so I I, re I know specifically they did lose last year because uh, it was around this time last year. Yeah, because I remember watching it um, when I was out of town. Now, I'm, I'm still going to take the Spurs in this one, just like you. 
uh, again, I just feel like Detroit overall, they're 16 and 19. They're just not, even though they're 11 and 8 at home, I feel like the Spurs have turned the corner on the road too, where if, um, if they're playing at their best, they can, they can blow you out of your own building like they did to Orlando or, and, and the Clippers, or if they're having trouble, then they can at least, and they fall behind early. They have, they have enough, um, power, uh, defensively to get back into a game. So again, I'm taking San Antonio. So you and I have the Spurs going three and on these last three. And again, like we just said, right? Like the bar has been risen for San Antonio, their expectations. I mean, right now they're actually playing like a 45 win team overall. And, and again, that's higher than what Las Vegas thought they'd be, uh, before the DeJounte Murray injury. So, so it does look again, like the Spurs, um, are, are headed in the right direction into entering 2019. Um, do you have any final comments, Steve, before we wrap up this episode? Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, that, that game uh, against Toronto is going to be fun. But, I mean, it's, it's good to be back on here. I haven't been on since October. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's good to be back. And I'm I, and to be your first guest of 2019 is pretty fun, too. So, I look forward to uh, these next three games. But, I mean, the one tomorrow is all everyone's talking about. And um, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what everyone's going to be doing and how it's going to be. And, yeah, should be fun. <laughs> Yeah, it should be a, a really interesting game. And again, like a very unique, rare game that where you see the, the franchise player ask for that he tells the team that he wants out. And now all of a sudden, a year later, he's coming to play in this game. And I'm almost shocked that he's playing it. That's, that's the level. So yeah. thanks, Stephen, for, for coming on this episode, 523. Um, all right, catch up with you later, man. Have a good one. Thank you to Stephen for joining me on SpursCast episode 523 again if you're on twitter please follow him at the stephen a underscore again on twitter that's at the stephen a underscore just a few quick reminders before i exit this episode uh over on project spurs we have some some content going on um continue to we're looking toward the draft so so benjamin bornstein our draft writer uh he's looking at some prospects for the spurs when when that time comes around in june uh his latest prospect watch is over ty jerome a 6'5 guard from virginia so Stephen writes about Ty, Ty Jerome from Virginia. Uh, Stephen, not Stephen Ben, writes those pieces, should I say. Uh, Stephen, though, does do a lot of our, our recaps. And I, I do want to give him some credit because I know that during the, the holidays, a lot of our, our staff, you know, we're all, we're all with family and friends. And, you know, we're, we're, we're basically enjoying the break. But Stephen's um, constantly, you know, every night that the Spurs play, he's making sure to get a recap up there, get some, get his um his perspective on the Spurs and his analysis. So, so again, keep checking out his recaps. Uh, and then lastly, uh, before the holidays began, um, Colin Reed had his latest piece on the Spurs' defense called Examining the Spurs' Emphasis on Transition Defense. And then I will be having um, my 40-game Spurs um, review after their game Saturday against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, which will be game 40. So you can look for that uh, probably on Sunday or Monday um, in the upcoming week. And then lastly, again, uh, please leave us a rating and review if you're listening to this on iTunes. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.